Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Every day, Sister Therese said, the sister asked me every day, and finally, I was a bit thick, I learned to ask myself. We sisters take a series of vows, simple vows, final vows. Those are choices, but we also make a choice every day. It can be hard to remember that in a city as beautiful and busy and whipped cream filled as this, and sometimes visitors distract, I'm sorry, but I choose. You choose? Claire said, I choose, Sister Therese said, checking her watch, looking around. And here we are. Liam Callahan, When in Rome. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And this week, I'm back talking to my mom about books for readers with PG-13 tastes. Before we get started, a thank you to everyone who's been leaving reviews for From the Front Porch. iTunes reviews and ratings are how new listeners can best find out about From the Front Porch and, as a result, find out about our indie bookstore. Here's a recent review from JenFlow76. Thoughtful book recs. Such thoughtful recommendations. I don't read exactly like the host, but she makes me want to hear all about the books. I love that she includes recommendations from others as well. The currently reading group had a curated book selection suggested by Annie and her team, and one of those books turned out to be a book that will be in my all-time top 10. If you love books, this is a great podcast. Thank you so much, Jen, and I'm dying to know what book landed in your top 10 of all time. If you haven't left a review, all you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, Scroll down until you see Write a Review, and then tell us what you think. Your reviews help us spread the word about not only our podcast, but also about our small brick-and-mortar business, too. Hi, Mom. Hi, Annie Sue. Welcome back to The Front Porch. So happy to be here. (laughs) So your book reviews are beloved. People like hearing from you. Well, that's very kind. (laughs) People love hearing from you. And we last had you on in November, so it's been a minute. Yes, and I've read a lot of books. I'm so excited to talk to you. If this is your first time listening to an episode with me and my mom, as a reminder, my mom enjoys books. You, uh, I wish I could remember how we normally land on it because sensitive readers is not your favorite way to describe yourself. Right. I, well, it's not a terrible way because <laughs> we are, I think readers like me enjoy a good plot and uh-huh. like good characters, yep. and we're not afraid of sensitive subjects. Yes. But we would rather not have graphic violence, sex, and language. That's fair. How about that? Yeah, that's good. Nothing too graphic for my mom. Right. And so if you are a reader like her, we used to say maybe PG, but we yeah. think it's more appropriate to say PG-13. So if you are find yourself maybe preferring PG, PG-13 lit, you are probably a Nancy, who is one of our bookshelf booksellers. Mm-hmm. You're probably a Nancy reader or a Susie reader. And if you are a Nancy or a Susie reader, we actually have a shelf subscription designed just for you. So part of the reason I wanted to talk to you this spring was, yes, you're my mom, but also <laughs> strategically, uh, Mother's Day is not far from us. And uh-huh. so a great Mother's Day gift could be a shelf subscription. And you might 
find that your mom reads like my mom. And so a Susie or Nancy subscription, Nancy and my mom go back and forth and Mm -hmm. alternate those selections. Those books might be a fun gift for your mom this Mother's Day. So we know it's only March, but maybe you're thinking ahead and you want a subscription that could be gifted to your mom in May and then last her perhaps all summer long or all year long. And so that's part of the reason I wanted to talk to you in the spring. Well, that's a great idea. What a great gift. <laughs> I think it's a great gift, and I'm very happy that I was proactive and past Annie was looking out for future for Annie. future Annie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's been since November, so you've yes. read a lot of books. Yes. Talk to me about the first of those books. Okay, well, my first book on my list was, I read it last year, but it came out this January mm-hmm. as my shelf subscription, Yep. and it's called Small World. Laura Zygman. Yes, that's right. I got Laura you. Zygman. And I thought of you while I was reading it because you are always talking on the podcast and in your book reviews about your love for dysfunctional families. I'm not really sure how I feel about that because I didn't, I don't think you came from a dysfunctional family. All family, to borrow a phrase, all families are dysfunctional in their own way. Really? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think, I think I love books. Kate, too, used to work at the bookshelf. She used to say, is it dysfunctional families or is it dysfunctional families but who really like each other? Right. I don't know. I, I love literature that covers the really messy families. Yes. And then, yeah, dysfunctional families too. And and maybe maybe it's because I didn't grow up in one. Maybe Mom. that's that's what I always tell myself anyway. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe I'm living vicariously through fictional characters. Well, you would have loved this one, okay? Because it is about a dysfunctional family. It's also about sisters, okay? And you and I love that. Yes, because you... I have three of them yes. myself. And so this was about a sister that lived on the East Coast, a sister that lived on the West Coast. And the West Coast sister, I think I've got this right, had a messy divorce Mm -hmm. and came over. And her sister, that they'd been a little bit estranged, but her Boston sister said, come on on over here and Mm -hmm. you can live with me for a little while while you look for a place of your own. Okay. And then you begin to unravel why they are like they are because they had a sister, mm-hmm. another sister, mm-hmm. who um, died. Okay. And she was very disabled. Okay. And so she had a lot of um, challenges. Mm-hmm. And so the mother wound up giving that sister all of the attention, mm-hmm. all of the attention. And you can understand yeah. how it happened. And so therefore, these sisters just watched their mother's life completely completely revolve Mm. around what could she do as an advocate for the little sister? Mm -hmm. What could she do for her? She might have been the middle. She might have been in between these two. It's been a few months. (laughs) But um, anyway, it was, as that all unfolded, you really got the gist of why they were the way they are. Okay. And then there were some fun stories about the neighbors that moved in upstairs and the business they had and then how that transpired into helping the two sisters work through some of their messiness. And uh, there was some language in this book, which I disclosed on my um, shelf subscription card. Mom takes her shelf subscription role very seriously. (laughs) I do. It's hard (laughs) because I'm like, sometimes you can get into something and I don't really love that you can become desensitized. You know, I talk about this all the time. Yeah. You become desensitized to yes. words and language. So, but this book, you didn't really have any until you were about midway mm-hmm. into it. And I'm like, oh, I'm not stopping now. 
I'm hooked now. I'm not stopping because of this potty mouth person. <laughs> so I got to keep going. And so I did, and it was very good. And I did use that as my January's a really hard month it's to tough find a book. month in publishing. Yes. Yeah. Someday Nancy and I are going to have to flip flop. It's going to be Nancy's January. But anyway, it is hard. Yeah. But I thought this was really good. I was curious about this one. I think, if I'm not mistaken, Laura Zygman wrote, I think, a book called Separation Anxiety, which is— oh, I think she did. Yeah, which is a book that did pretty well at the bookshelf for us. I, I want to say somebody on staff a few years ago read that one. Mm-hmm. And so, I yeah, I do think this book would be appealing to a wide range of our readers. And I had not read anything by her mm-hmm. before, so this was all new to me. But I thought it was really well-written— I thought it was a good book. And you know what I like? I don't mind some dysfunction, mm-hmm. but I always like hope. Yes. I always that's, that's like really a the unfolding yeah. of— That's a through line, I feel like, is you like redemption and hope. You I don't really mind— do. You don't mind unlikable characters or sensitive subjects, but I think your the book has to end kind of on a hopeful note. Yes. Yeah. It would be too much like our daily news right? if it didn't. <laughs> right. And that's so fair. I actually want to—and one of my other books by— uh, Matthew Lou oh no quick quick that's quick. right yes yeah that book yes. was um really really good yeah but it was heavy yes it was hard but there was hope yes and so I loved that book so okay. that was my end of the year and of course I read the Bible last year <laughs> she conquered that classic consult- <laughs> that was what I called my conquering a classic. <laughs> And so I've done that before, but I hadn't done it in a long time, and I did a different version. Okay. What version did you do? I used the message. Oh, I love the message. And so I had never done that before. Yeah. And I loved it. That's fun. And it was... I was diligent with it, and I kept up with it all year long. That takes real dedication. And when I tallied up the number of books I read last year, I wanted to add 66. I mean, I think you should. (laughs) (laughs) That's only fair. (laughs) That's quite the commitment. So then... Guess what I did in January? What did you do? I joined the Little Women Book Club. You conquered another classic. And that book that we started when you were a little girl at eight years old. Did we start reading that together? I truly do not remember. I just remember I read it because it's the first book that ever made me cry. It was, well, we we didn't finish it together. No, I read it by myself. I know. No offense. That's what memory I have. I know. (laughs) Well, we started it. Okay. (laughs) Because I thought it was going to be too hard for you because it was a big honking book. Yeah. And you were eight. Yeah. And now I've read it. And now I'm like, how did she do that at eight? Well, I'm sure, to be fair, I don't, who Just knows if I really. Just daughter. <laughs> who knows if I really comprehended everything that was going on. That's one of the things I do love about a book like Little Women is reading it as a kid. Then I definitely read it as a teenager, mm-hmm. read it in college, read it as an early young adult. Now I feel like I'm reading it as an older adult. And I know I'll read it again. And I do feel like I get something new out of it every time because I'm different yeah, every time. Exactly. But this was your first time fin- this finishing This was my it. first time, and I I really soared through Oh, it. you sped ahead, I think. I went way ahead of the club because I was so into it. Yep. And I'm going to tell you, it was a l- it's still intimidating for me to pick up a big book like that with a lot you of pages. You had just read the Bible, so it should have been easy breezy. But I did it all year long. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And so I was a little intimidated. And then I, when I first got into it, I loved it, and then it got a little slow to me, mm-hmm. and then I got angry <laughs> at how some things were turning out, and then I don't know when it happened, but I just 
fell in love with uh-huh. it. And at first, I was really using it like homework. Mm-hmm. I promised I was going to do this. I'm going to do this. Yeah. But then I fell in love with it. And then when it was over, I wanted to go back to the slowness. Yeah. I wanted to go back to the language. Yeah. I wanted to go back to the time. And so when it was over, I felt really weird Yeah. when it was over because it was something that I don't know why I had put it off all these years. Yeah. But I did read it thinking, how in the world did she know what this <laughs> I'm sure I didn't. <laughs> I mean, but, that when you're little, I mean, I think that's why I what I remember crying over when I was eight was Lori and Joe. Of course. And then now as an adult, that's not what moves me at 37. Oh, it still moved me and made me angry. <laughs> well, it, I think that makes sense because I think that's the I think that's how you should feel the first yes. time you read it. But I this time upon my reading it, what moved me the most was Beth and Joe's relationship. Oh, yes. And Obviously, the story of Beth has always moved me. It's sad. Yes. But this was the first time where the sister relationship felt like it overpowered the boy-girl friendship, yeah. romance. To me, the sisterhood relationships yeah. became the, at the forefront for me upon this reading. Yes. I'm curious. So when you read it, the first half is really book one, mm-hmm. and it's about their younger lives, and then book two is really about mm-hmm. their adult lives. Did you like one more than the other? Well, I obviously, I, I mean, I really love the first part. Yeah. I mean, I just love that yeah. because that's so— even though the dad was gone, mm-hmm. it still had this carefree um, yes. sort of everybody was whole and yeah. healthy and and yeah. it was childhood. Yes. So obviously I loved that. Mm-hmm. But and but part two was harder. Part part two is sadder. It's I, sad. And, when, yeah. When yeah. people I think I've said this before on the podcast. I love Little Women. It's one of my favorite books of all time. My favorite book by Louise Mayalcott is called An Old Fashioned Girl, Mm -hmm. which I love. And I've reread it many, many times. And I think, I was trying to think, why do I like this better than Little Women? And I think it's because it is overall much lighter. Yeah. Little Women becomes a deeply sad book. Yes, it does. And and I one of the things I said as a member of this Little Women Book Club and kind of talking about it with Jamie Ivey and with Melissa Zaldivar as we were talking was I love the depth of Little Women and how, yeah, how Louise Mayalka was not afraid to write about mm-hmm. hard, sad things. But I also very much relate to Joe. One of the reasons I feel like I continue to relate to Joe in adulthood is because Joe did not want to grow up. And she didn't want to grow up not because she was scared right. of independence or didn't want to be a grown-up. She just didn't want to leave childhood exactly. behind. I think she looked back on her childhood with fondness. And so she was not ready for her and her sisters to grow up. And that resonates deeply with me. Yep. And so I think... I love the first half because yeah. they're just it's so carefree. They're just little girl, yeah. And it's just little yeah, little women. <laughs> yeah, little little women doing their thing. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Okay, you know, Melissa on the on the Little Women Book Club would always ask, which sister are you? Or which character? And she well, didn't she didn't narrow it down to sister. Which character did you most identify with? I actually I, I thought about this while I was reading it because I thought I might be Mm-hmm. Well, obviously today I feel like Marmy. Sure. Yeah. So I definitely You are Marmy. You yes. are a mom. However, when she interfered and sort of told Joe, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, if I had done that, my kids would have put me in my place so fast. That was one of the moments where I thought you got to see Marmy's 
imperfection a little bit. Yes. Because I do think she overstepped there. She did. Yeah. And I didn't like it one bit. Yes. And I also thought to myself, honey, try living in 2023. (laughs) And you try doing that with your children today. She literally squashed that relationship for that little snotty Amy. (laughs) And I just, okay, so not Amy. Let's put that out there. Um, Not Amy. And I guess I would, if I chose a sister, I bet I would be more like Beth. You are. I do think you are like Beth. I think I would be more. You know like who Beth. I think is our family's Beth is Caroline. Cause I do too. My cousin Caroline is, is she. There are real parts where she reminds me of Beth. Not in not the sickliness or anything like that, no, but just not, the homebodiness. Yes, the homebodiness and the wanting to make people happy. Yes, she yep. wanted to make the old man yes happy. Yeah, and I think she just was in tune with people's feelings. Yep. Even in her own sickness, she yes. was thinking of other people's feelings. Which that feels like that feels like you a little so bit. So I felt like I, Beth resonated with me. Except I really, I've already lived longer than Beth, so I don't need to worry about that now. <laughs> you can remove that worry from your mind. Yeah. Okay, now you and I, I don't know if you remember this, you probably do, but like a couple of years ago, one year ago, I sat down with you and dad and watched the 2019 Little Women. Yes. You guys were not into it. Well, I, I felt... Guilty because you have drummed it into my brain. <laughs> Literally, you can't watch this, Mom. You haven't read the book. I know. That's terrible. So now I want to watch it again. I would love for you to watch it again. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I want to watch that version. I've seen an old black and white. I've seen the old black and white version. Yes. Aunt Carol made—that's who I first saw yeah. the old little woman with was Aunt yeah. Carol. Oh. And so— you probably have also seen the Susan Sarandon version. I think I've seen parts of that one, but this is the one I want to see again. Yeah, I think you'd love the 90s version. You should watch it at Christmas. It's okay. a fun Christmas movie. But my preferred Little Women is the 2019. Yeah, I think that's what I want to see. Okay, well, I'm just thrilled. I'm so glad that well, we will... no longer have this Me too, and rift I'm... between us. And I was kind of proud of myself. You should be proud of yourself. That's a big. That was like a bucket list book did, for you. It was, and I did it, and it was, and I'm so happy I did. Yes, I am too. Oh, I skipped "Go Is the River." Okay, tell me about "Go as the River." Okay, "Go Is the River." I think is my March yes shelf subscription. So it is. A lot of people are talking about it being. Kind of like where the crawdads sing. Okay. Okay. You know, I have a question about that. Okay. Because publishers are saying that a lot. I know that. <laughs> because everybody wants. They uh, want it the, to be. They that. want the success of where the crawdads sing. It's not. Okay. Thank you. That's just my personal opinion, everyone. Just I, my personal opinion. I mean, that's fine with me because I felt ambivalent about where the crawdads sing. Is well, but you didn't. You liked. I loved. You loved where the crawdads. Where the crawdads sing. sing. Yeah. Love the movie. Yes. Afterwards. And I think the reason people might say this is because it's a young woman fighting in the part in parts of the book in the wilderness, okay, in Colorado. So um, I'll tell about it briefly. This Victoria Nash okay. is the star of the show, and she has led a hard life. Okay, and her mother was killed, leaving her. Now this is in Colorado on a peach farm in Colorado. Oh, interesting. I'm like. Did somebody make that up? Are there peaches in Colorado? If you're a Colorado listener. Would you please tell us if there are peach farms in Colorado? Because I had to get past that a little bit because I was trying to picture Rocky Mountains and peach farms. Right. That is weird, considering we live near Considering we live in peach country. Yes. So her mother was killed and left her the only female to run this household filled with really very troubled 
men, her husband, her daddy, okay, is damaged, okay, from the loss of his wife, mm-hmm. and so her brother is a piece of work, okay, and he is terrible, mm-hmm. and um, she's got to do everything for them as a kid, okay. She's got yeah, to how cook old their is meals. she? She's yeah, is she she's a teenager? Young, okay, like a teenager, yes, and so she. Ventures into town one day and meets this young man. Okay. His name is Wilson Moon. Hmm, great name. It is a great moon. It's a great na- moon. It's a great, great moon. moon. <laughs> it's a full moon. <laughs> it's a great moon. <laughs> you did it again. <laughs> it's a great he's, name. He's a drifter. Okay. Who escaped from a retraining of Native American children. Oh, interesting. School. Yes. I just read a book based on one of the. Okay. And I have read a I don't remember what book I read, but it was also regarding that. Okay. And it was so anyway, he is in town. She meets him. He's charming, mm-hmm. very charming. I don't even realize he's Native American at first. Mm-hmm. He's just this charming young man. Mm-hmm. And they have this a physical attraction where they are drawn to one another. And then you begin to see that he's Native American. Okay. It is forbidden. He's treated at this time. Oh, I wish I could remember the time frame of this book when it was written. But anyway. It tre- looks like it's in the 40s. Tre- it is. Thank mm-hmm. you. Treated terribly, you know. Right. Very ostracized. ostracized. Yeah. Yes. So when Victoria learns about her brother mm-hmm. and his treatment of Will, because something happens to Will. Okay. She winds up. Can I tell all about this now because it's already out there? I mean, people are weird about spoilers. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say, just say she, a basic plot. She winds up pregnant. Okay. And totally on her own, trying okay. to hide it. That's why this probably feels a little bit like where the crawdads sing, mm-hmm. because now you're going to see her leave the peach farm mm-hmm. and go out into the wilderness okay. on her own. And is that hiding the fact that she's pregnant from her father and her brother? And is that kind of survival story what yes. a lot of the book is? Yes. Okay. Well, yes. Okay. And so that is why people are saying it's like Crawdads. where the crawdads sing. Okay. But I personally wouldn't go that far. Okay. Although I liked this book so much that I chose it for my selection. Yeah. It is a great well, book. Well, and it's, it's gotten, well written. I was about to say it's gotten really good reviews. I it's, will say it's, it's a hard book because of the treatment that she goes through and her out on her own yeah at such a young age but here is what i love there's hope okay i'm not gonna tell <laughs> what happens but just go read it <laughs> because so you've yeah. got to find out what happens with her this one just came out too so it came out march 7th so yeah, if- and i really and i am curious and i should google it about peach farms in Colorado. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. So I'm sure she ba- surely she'd base that. Can't wait to hear in reality if that's true. It had to be right. Yeah, I would assume, but I'll I'll look it up too. I'm curious. Okay, so I meant I go back to that, and then I read Little Women, and then I've read another ARC. Okay, which you've given me the Secret Life of Flora Lee, and I gave this to you because you love you some Patty Callahan Henry. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. She's a reliable author for you. She is. Um, let me see. Becoming Mrs. Lewis. Yep. Um, and one. What that one, one about the wardrobe? Oh, yes. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. So I really like her. Yeah. And so I knew I was going to love this book. And you know what else I've discovered about me? What I kind of like books that go back and forth. So this okay. is going to be 
a book that's back in World War II, the beginnings of World War II in London. Okay. And it's about the children um, oh, yeah. being, oh, what they call the kids? Uh, they have a name for what they call the kids when they have to bust them all out of London yes. into the countryside. Okay. And then if you're not watching All Creatures Great and Small on PBS. I got to get into that. Let me just put a plug in. <laughs> the best television ever. You're very hooked on it. I'm oh, finished it. Oh, you're Waiting done. for another season, I hope. But this past season, it was part of this as the oh, war is starting. Okay. And so these children are being farmed out into the countryside. Okay. And so one comes into... Oh, um, into the village. Yeah. And so it made me think of this book. So this book goes back and forth between World War II and the 1960s, okay. which is also fascinating and yes. I love. So it's about a story about the her, she and her sister getting shipped out. Mm -hmm. Her dad gets killed in the war. Okay. And so her mom has to send them mm -hmm. out on a train. All by, They're taken from them. Yeah. I wish I could remember what they're called, but every, historians that are listening will know what they call them. Yeah. And so she and her sister are out and something happens okay. to her little sister. And then many, many years later, something happens. Okay. And you have to read this book. <laughs> it's I don't want to spoil this at all because is this a, it comes is, out in May. Comes out in May. Is this a five star for you? Do yes. you okay. I love this. Because you really do. I I was looking it up. It's Becoming Mrs. Lewis and then it's once Upon a Wardrobe. Once Upon a Wardrobe. And I loved them all. And, yeah, you've and loved I them. I love her writing. I just think she's I just think she's a very good writer. Yeah. And this one's different. Well, my understanding, I did I do think I hmm, did I see this somewhere? It sounded like she was doing research on England, and I wondered if she was doing research on her C.S. Lewis adjacent books. Oh. And then she stumbled upon this history of these kids yep. and so decided to write this book, which is a bit of a departure, it is I a think, from bit. the last couple. And I I I just can't I'm so thrilled to recommend this one when it comes out. Yeah. It was wonderful. Okay. And I loved it. So. Sounds great. But I want, don't want to tell too much more about it because it doesn't come out until May. Okay. And some of the others I've read now are oldies. You know, yeah. I can tell about. So the next book I read was a book that I'd had for over a year. Been in my... Oh, that uh, happens to the best yes, of us. <laughs> been in my nightstand. And I'm like, okay, getting this book out and reading it. You. And it is Prayer in the Night by Tish Harrison Warren. And I loved oh, yeah. her book. Liturgy of the Ordinary. It's a great Loved book. that book. Yeah. This one was harder for me. Okay. Why? Because she's using this nighttime prayer of... Mm -hmm. Compline. Compline. Mm -hmm. I wasn't famil familiar with that, mm -hmm. but um, because she's going through a hard time. Okay. Her father has died. So this is nonfiction. Yep. Okay. I would call it more... A memoir? More like a memoir. Okay. Of this time period of her life. Okay. Dad reads her column... Every time it comes out, she's in the a New great York Times. New York Times columnist, yeah. and then he will often read them to me out loud. Yeah, and I love them, and I loved her first book, and this is a good book, but it is a little—it's a sadder book because you know this about me—I don't really love questioning God. Yeah, I know. I have raised these two questioners. <laughs> I know, and I'm it's like, so funny. Don't, don't do ask that. questions. <laughs> <laughs> Don't wonder about God like that. So she. this is about that. Okay. This is about when you're going through hard times. Okay. Okay. So we're just coming a little bit out of hard times. Uh-huh. 
So maybe this hit a little too close. I didn't want to go back into hard times, but she is a beautiful writer. She's very vulnerable in this book Mm -hmm. because she's got a lot of anxiety and suffering. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think it was very good, but it was a harder. I wouldn't call it an uplifting book. Would you recommend it to people who themselves are going through a yes. hard time? Okay. Yes. So something that people might find comforting because yes. because she is she's very puts it out there. She's honest. She's very honest. Yeah. And she's very relatable. Okay. And I have been through some dark times. Yes. And it was very relatable, but I didn't want to revisit it yet. (laughs) Yes. You and I are different in that way. I feel like I, so I'm an Enneagram 5. I never can figure out which wing I am, but sometimes my spiritual director, Julie, thinks I'm a wing 4. And if that is true, which sometimes I do think that is true, I love sad books. I love books about grief. I don't know. I I probably would love that book. <laughs> you probably would. <laughs> a, a book about grief and loss by and a questioning probably, person. <laughs> yes. And you're probably familiar with that prayer. Yeah. And um, so you probably would. I probably would like and that one. it's not that I I can't say that I didn't like the book because that wouldn't be true. Right. It was just I do like I feel like the world is hard. That's and not why you and, read. And, and what I read for is almost like to escape from yes, that. Yes, that's right. That's not why you read. Take me to another time. Take me to yes. another place. And so I feel like it was just a little bit heavier. Yeah. Well, that's me. why, I mean, that is why I, I, well, it's why I love books. It's why I love reading. It's why I like talking to people about books because everybody comes to books looking for something different. That's right. And so, yeah. And, and normally, and I'm, a nighttime reader. Yeah. And so that you right before you go to bed, you don't want those exactly. heavy things. So I had to move that. Makes that. Sense. I had to move that and make myself read that in the daytime uh-huh. because at night I needed something lighter before I went to mm, bed. That's a great point. But I would highly recommend her articles each week. Her column is great. Her column, it is so good. And uh, often dad winds up reading them to me out loud because he thinks they're so good. Okay, then what'd you pick up? Okay, then I picked up, thanks to Chet introducing us all to Wendell Berry. Yes. And I've read so many of his books now, and we're doing that Lent practice with his poetry. Yes. Thank you so much for telling me about that. Actually, listener Alicia sent that my way. Well, thank you, Alicia. (laughs) Now my whole family's doing it. (laughs) Yes, Chris and I are doing it, Dad and I are doing it, and uh, Lisa's doing it, you're doing it, and I, and we're loving it. That's great. Then I, um, so I got his poetry book first. Mm-hmm. Well, you've and had that a while, haven't you? I've had you? that a long time. Me too. And so I was thrilled when this came out that I already had that one. Wait a minute, I've yeah. got that book. That's not a book you sit down and read cover to cover. That's right. You pick it up, you read, and you put it down. So then I read Hannah Coulter. Mm-hmm. L-O-V-E-D. <laughs> and you've done that. You read Hannah Coulter years ago. Yes, I yeah. read that a few years ago. And then I read Jaber Crow. Yep. Okay, so this is called How It Went. Mm-hmm. And it's 13 more stories of the Port William membership. Are these short stories? These are very diff. This is very different. It follows the life of Andy Cartlett. Dad's reading it right now. And uh, he is totally in love with it because of his Kentucky roots mm-hmm. and his knowledge of very small towns yep. like that from his grandparents. And so um, he's eating it up, which I knew he would. Mm-hmm. And Wendell Berry, what a unique writer. 
I, I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm so frustrated because I still haven't, Jaber Crow is the first one I want to read. And it was my goal. This is my Wendelberry year. And so I wanted to read a book of his every quarter. Okay. I've not missed the deadline. Like we're still in the first quarter of the yes. year. And Jaber Crow is the first one. But I, other than his poetry and some of his essays, because now I've read some of his mm-hmm. essays um, this year, I've not read any of his fiction yet. Well, I don't remember Hannah Coulter or Jaber Crow being quite... Um, like this book. Okay. This book is back and forth mm-hmm. again. I mean, is from, it a short story collection? Well, would you call it that? I don't know if I would. I mean, because it's th- you said it's 13 stories. That's what, he, it, that's what he says. But when I read it, I didn't read it like that's the end of that story. Okay. Because they all They're connected. It's okay. really because it's really about Andy. Okay. They're connected so stories. It's okay. More about the, he says, the Port William membership. Well, we just, Dad said today, I wonder if he's basing Andy Cartlett on himself a little bit. Oh, interesting. His remembering as a childhood mm-hmm. and his 80-something-year-old now. Mm-hmm. So it goes back and forth to Andy's childhood to now. And it and it incorporates all these characters mm-hmm. that were in Jaber Crow and Hannah Coulter. Okay. I always, you have to get into the rhythm, to me, of reading Wendell Berry. And I... It's not like Little Women, but it's like Little Women in Read It Slow. Right. That's Yes, I can you see that. You don't read it fast. There's if a you, lot to unpack there. If you do read the Bible and you read the Apostle Paul, who takes four paragraphs to say <laughs> one sentence. Not my personal favorite. Then you will. That's what I compare this to a little bit. Okay. There's, and the language. Yeah. The language that as he talks is very... Sometimes I'm like, now what? And you just have and to I kind have of to read, read it again. Uh-huh. And at first I thought, is this me? I mean, Dad said no. And then I, as I kept reading it and falling in love with it, of course, mm-hmm. I thought that's why some books just meant, are meant uh-huh. to be read. And I thought that was the way about Little Women. Yes, I, I can think totally the language see that. is very different. Mm-hmm. And I think, and you have to get used to the rhythm of a book. You do. We and, talk about that. On yeah. The and I talked about Little Women that I read ahead and stuff. Well, mm-hmm. that's because I was just so into it. Right. It did not mean that I read it super fast. Right. Because that would diminish right. what I think Little Women, how it should be read. Mm-hmm. So it's just that I couldn't put it down after a chapter a day. <laughs> so this is really, really good. And it just came out recently, And I it think. just Yes, it's his newest. And anybody that loves Wendell Berry will love this. Dad is totally into it right now. Okay, and that's called How It Went. How It Went. Okay, this is so much fun. Okay. This is a book a listener sent to me. Oh, fun. that is fun. I could cry. Okay. <laughs> I got a picture from Olivia at the bookshelf with a manila envelope <laughs> that was addressed to me at the bookshelf, and I went, what in the world? Who ordered something and had it sent to the bookshelf? No. A listener yeah. sent it to me, and her name is Emily, and she's in Utah. Oh. And she sent me this book called The Portrait. Hi, Emily. If you're out there, I hope you're listening, because <laughs> it was just the kindest thing. This is by Amelia Kelly, and she thought I would like this book, and she was right. Oh, good. Kindred, what, a re- what a relief, Emily. <laughs> kindred spirits. I couldn't put it down. Okay, good. I absolutely loved it. Totally PG. Okay. Totally perfect for... PG and sensitive, sensitive readers, readers, but filled with mystery. Okay. And so it was very, very good. Takes place in 1850 London. Iris is caring for her younger sister, Hope. Okay. And her dad, they've lost their mother. And she meets a mysterious man that they have to sell 
their place out in like the beautiful where oh I don't know places in but it's famous out in England. Okay. Out there in the country. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Of England. And uh, so she gets there on a train. They're moving into the city. Mm-hmm. They have to move into the city. So they've had to sell their estate. Uh, and move I understand. In. Okay. And so she meets this man on the train. Mm-hmm. The very first thing, Winston. 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 After this, you probably won't want to name your dog Winston. Oh, interesting. Okay. And so she becomes, but he's so kind. Mm-hmm. And he, I don't know, they just hit it off and they're, and they're, that's her only friend there. Okay. So they take walks together. They build a relationship together. He's wealthy, very wealthy, prominent family in the glass business. Mm-hmm. And so his father has died. So he's like the head of the family in a way. But we all know it's really his mother. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and so he starts being super kind, helping her little sister, wanting to do what's best for her little sister. And she's not really in love with him, but she loves how kind he mm-hmm. is. And how, like, and he takes care of. And she sees him as a way of being taken care of. Yes, okay. Because she knows they need it. Mm-hmm. So he, do- he does send off the sister and the dad mm. to a healthier place. Mm-hmm. So trying to help her get better. Because London's smoggy and nasty. I see. It really makes London sound very nasty well, I think in, in the 1850s. Eight, yeah, I think that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> and so she moves... And along the way, she discovers something in his, she's having her portrait done because he proposes. She's not really sure she wants to do that, but because of finding out that he could help her sister. Right, it's a financial enterprise. She's going to do it. Uh So she accepts the proposal and she spends some time when he's out of town, she'll spend some time at his home. Mm -hmm. The mother is not there very much because that must have been where the dad died and she can't stand to be there. But anyway, they have these humongous portraits, Mm -hmm. and he wants hers painted. Okay. She doesn't want to have it painted. And then the artist is an American, Mm. I think, from Boston. So he's brash, and he's just loud. Love that Boston accent. Yeah, and he's just, um, (laughs) you know, kind of crass and annoying Mm -hmm. to her. But she, while she's waiting in the house to have her picture done and stuff, she spends the night there, I think, one night, and finds under the mattress this diary hmm. from a missing woman. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here it comes. <laughs> Uh-oh. And then I'm not going to tell the rest of the story too much because okay. it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful paperback book. Did Emily write this book? The author is Amelia. I know. If she did, she's so smart. <laughs> Emily, did you write this book? Because it's just so good. Yeah. Okay. And so it there's looks, a big yeah. mystery unfolds and a lot of twists and turns you're going to be surprised. I'm I'm so glad you liked that. And I'm so glad she thought of you. Because I don't know if I would have thought, oh, 1850s London mystery. You know, I think sometimes yeah. we make assumptions about sensitive readers, maybe, right. about what they like and right. don't like. But really, you do read across a wide range of genres. Yeah, and I love a lot of historical fiction, yes, as we've talked about true. before. So when I got it, I was like, well, no, that's the sweetest thing anyone's <laughs> ever done. I've got to read this. Yeah, And I got into it and read it just in a... Uh, within a few days. Awesome. So okay. it was really, really good. It looks great. And I loved it. And it is pretty, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's a good pretty. paperback book. Okay, so next I moved on to Sean Dietrich's new book that I got when he came to speak. Oh, yay. You Are My Sunshine. We love Sean. Very fun. We do love Sean. 
And his wife. Yes. And so um, this is a book about them going on a bike ride. Mm-hmm. Kind of during the pandy, mm-hmm. they get a notion, she gets a notion, mm-hmm. and they go on this gigantic, I mean, a really long bike ride where she has spent months preparing Planning. and getting them all together. They're going to be sleeping in the woods and sleeping. Sounds like something Chet would do. It sounded just like your brother. And Becca could do it with yeah, him, I think. Yeah. She could do it with him. So anyway, it is, um, they travel. I wanted to remember they go on the Gap Trail mm-hmm. and the CNO Trail. And these two trails are in Pennsylvania and Maryland. All right. And because of the Maybe because of the pandemic. I don't know really why. But some of these trails sound very primitive. Like, Uh I don't even know how he got his bike through it. Really remote. But it's very Sean Dietrich in the people that they meet Mm -hmm. along the way. They do get to stay in some, like, off the trail. Like, if you were doing the Appalachian Trail, there's little towns where you can get in and go get you a hot shower and stay at a little um, bed and breakfast. Uh So he does stuff like that. But it was grueling, and it was hard, and still funny. Okay. So very— That sounds fun. A good little road trip book almost. Oh, it would be. Yeah. And, very, and if you love Sean Dietrich's writings, you'll love this mm-hmm. because it's very— He's um, consistent. We like that. I do. And I, and I like to laugh. Yeah. So I love to find a book that makes me laugh. And it was, you know, it had some hard parts in it because, bless them. For being able to do it. I don't even, I don't know how in the world they they did that, but they have a story to tell now, and now it's a book. <laughs> so I finished that, and then I started the book I'm doing right now, but your auntie had me order the book Life of the Beloved by Henry Nowen. Yes. And so... I've never read this. I'm very curious okay. about Well, it. I've read another book by him, but I can't recall the title. Um, so, but Lisa just Jordan loves him, but I've never sang his praises. Mm-hmm. This book, and so I had you order it for me. Yep. And I went to bed at nine thirty, and I finished it at midnight. I can't believe that. That's amazing. I couldn't put it down in ev- almost every page. I love all your notes. Torn everything. Mom tears her books now too. I do. So uh-huh. Dad has torn this book. The, I know. Ha 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 ha. The Wendell Berry <laughs> book. I'm like, did you tear the pages of the Wendell Berry book? Yes. Yeah. I tore the pages of my fancy copy of Little Women. Because you rule. <laughs> we do, you you <laughs> tell us we do it. <laughs> you tell us what to do we do it. Anyway, uh, this is a book about him writing to a, a friend, mm-hmm. someone that interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And then they just became friends, and this the person that interviewed him was sort of not sure of how his career was going, and Henry was just super supportive of follow your dream, follow mm-hmm. your passion, and then they became friends, and this man is Jewish, okay, and he could not understand all the 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 place where Henry was coming from. and Because finally, Henry now is a Christian. He is a priest. Yeah. He's a priest, right? Yes. And so um, he has all this advice and this really wonderful personality. He must, mm-hmm. he must have just been delightful. <laughs> and so this guy says, you know what you really need to do? You really ought to write a book for people like me and my friends mm. who are living in the real world, mm. the secular world, and we don't get it. Mm. We just don't get it. <laughs> okay. We're they 
don't know. Interesting. And so he writes this book, and it's written. The reason you'll love it and fly through it is because it's written like a letter. Okay, that's. And I, I forgot another book I read like that that was written like a letter. Yeah, we do like <clears throat> epistolary books. Although this is truly a letter. This is nonfiction. Yes, he's writing it so in letter he format. He writes it to this man, hmm. and he really thinks he's nailed it. Mm-hmm. He thinks, okay, this is going to really help him. So he turns in the manuscript, shows it to this his friend, and look, the friend. This is a long time now. The friend's gone through a lot. Yeah. They all have. They both have. He's been to multiple uh, places in his ministry and mm-hmm. his work. And so, and his friend has had different jobs. Okay. And so, but when he submits it to his friend, it's not received very well. Ah. Which is, friend that was like so it. sad to me. I was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> you. He was so kind to you about your writing and everything. He basically told him, this doesn't put me any further ahead than anything else. Ah. Because he basically told him, you can't write for me because you're too who you are. Oh, interesting. To be able to, to ever, ad- in your, in to your ever identify. Hmm. So he decides to send it on to his publisher anyway. Mm. And then they tell him, he had you write it, but it didn't turn out for him. But it turned out for all of us, hmm. which was beautiful. That's interesting. So, I don't know how I think about that. It might not it. have helped him. Right. But it helped all of us who have read it on the team here, hmm. and we want to publish it, and it is excellent. Okay. It's excellent. Hmm. I'll have to look and into I that. I think what he was really trying to just set that baseline of how loved you are, no matter what, right. no matter where you— no, it's Yeah, but you have to you be in a do. place to receive that. And, and he there is—I was going to say, there's also—I mean, I'd be curious to read it, but I also kind of get where his friend is coming from, because, wow, thank you, priest, who hangs out with priest. Like, <laughs> wow, thank you so much. He, and that's <laughs> kind of health. what it was. Right. Even though— this is going over a long period of time now. Right. They've had these meetings, and co- he went to his wedding. He he was hmm. there for him during his divorce. Are you telling me these people are no longer friends? No, no. They well, he's dead. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Oh, is he? Yes, he died. When? I don't remember. So I guess they're definitely no longer friends. <laughs> <laughs> they were always, but they were always friends. Okay, they maintained to, their friendship, and even during this, because he finally he looked back and he went, oh. I guess he's right. Hmm. It's hard for me to come out of. I'm. This is right. Me. He is enmeshed in so his how world can and I his worldview and his belief system. Interesting. But all along his writing, he thought he was doing that. Right. But but yeah, you but can't. He, but since I am a believer and I read it, I'm right. Like, so he you wrote found it, for it me. Comfor- <laughs> right. So a Christian would find it comforting. A Christian would find it comforting. Right. But a non-Christian might not. And I can't. And I could see it too. But I just thought it was kind of sad at the end. You don't like anything even remotely sad. No, I was like, well, <laughs> gee, guy, couldn't you have just kind you of don't polished like, it up a little bit? Mom doesn't like any kind of conflict couldn't at you? all. I do not. I do not. I Okay, well, that's interesting because I finished a book that I am going to recommend to you before we wrap up because okay. I started the top of the episode with a book, a quote from a book called When in Rome, okay. and it's by Liam Callahan. I'm going to send you home with it today. Oh, yay. I... I liked it a lot. Now, I didn't think the writing was what I wanted it to be, mm-hmm. but the story is good, and okay. I think you'll like the story. But it's about a woman named Claire, and Claire is 52. She's just gone to a college reunion, and Claire, when she was in college, 
and a young adult, she had every intention of becoming a nun. Like, she had met with this group of nuns in her hometown, and she just knew she was going to take vows Mm -hmm. and become a nun. And then shortly after her graduation from college, she um, became pregnant and had her little girl. Okay. And so she did not become a nun. She just, she kind of pivoted and her life changed. But now she's 52. Her daughter is grown. And she has to go to Rome for work. Okay. And part of what she does is take these historical sites and often they are religious sites, mm-hmm. and she winds up selling them and helping because a lot of these religious religious sites are no longer needed, right. no longer religious sites, and so she helps them find a buyer. Okay, so she goes over to Rome to go to this convent, mm-hmm. and while she is there, she all of a sudden falls in love with these sisters and starts to think, "Well, I couldn't become a nun when I was twenty two, but now I'm fifty two. Could I become a nun now? Oh, And so, anyway, but just coming off the Henry Nouwen book, it does make me think, because Claire's best friend and her daughter are not particularly religious, Mm -hmm. and so they cannot believe Claire is even considering this. They don't understand it. They're Mm -hmm. a little bit— they're definitely flummoxed. They're maybe even a little bit kind of mortified and not understanding. <laughs> yep. And then Claire also has a relationship with a guy from college who they were best friends, and uh, he also doesn't really understand. Maybe he even loves her. He's not sure, and yet she's now considering being a nun. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a very sweet story. I really like the premise a lot. I think you will like it a lot, and it deals a little bit with those ideas of— Faith and belief, but then your faith when your faith and belief don't make sense right. to a lot to of other people. people. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, I think you might like yeah. it. And I'll send you home with it today. Okay. Um, thanks, Mom. Oh, it was fun, as always. All of Mom's books can be found on the Bookshelf website. Again, Erin has set this up beautifully for us. So if you go to bookshelfthomasville.com and type in the episode number, today's episode is 416, you can find all of Mom's books and recommendations listed there. This week, What I Am Reading is brought to you by the 102nd Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. Come visit us for the weekend of April 28th and 29th and experience the flowers, fun, food, and shopping in beautiful Thomasville. Plan your visit at thomasvillega.com. I mentioned on last week's episode, but... Truly, the Rose Show and Festival in Thomasville is one of my very favorite things to do. There are two really big cornerstone events in the city of Thomasville's calendar. One is Victorian Christmas, and one is the Rose Show and Festival. And I love Victorian Christmas. I think it's fun. But there is something about the springtime weather of Rose Show and Festival. And just the very—it feels so small town to me. Things kind of kick off on Friday afternoon with the opening of the Rose Tent. And that is right down the block from the bookshelf so we can see the rose tent from the bookshelf doors. We hear the high school band come down and kind of play the drums and open the tent and do the ribbon cutting. There's a wonderful parade and there's a car show. There's just all kinds of fun things involved with Rose Show and Festival. And it's one of my favorite things, particularly because of when it takes place. It's like before it gets too miserable, (laughs) too miserably hot here. And so I adore it. And I think if you have been wondering what Thomasville is like or when would be a good time to visit, now would be a great time to visit. So you can go ahead and get your Airbnb, find your spot at the Marriott, and come on April 28th and 29th to Thomasville for the Thomasville Rose Show and Festival. 
This week, I'm listening to The Bodyguard by Catherine Center. Mom, what are you reading? I'm reading When the Moon Turns Blue by Pamela Terry. Pamela Terry, I should say here, is coming to the bookshelf this weekend. I know. So, oh, is it this weekend? No, it's this weekend as we're recording. That's time, right. Time travel. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, good, I'll get to see her. <laughs> March 18th. Sorry. So please come see us at the bookshelf. Come see Pamela Terry with her new book, When the Moon Turns Blue. <laughs> Thank you again to our sponsor, the 102nd Annual Rose Show and Festival here in Thomasville, Georgia. Plan your upcoming visit and come see us by visiting thomasvillega.com. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in Thomasville, Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelfteville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Studio D Podcast Production for production of From the Front Porch and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. Our executive producers of today's episode are Donna Hetchler, Cami Tidwell, Chantal C., Kate O'Connell, Nicole Marcy, Wendy Jenkins, Lori Johnson. Thank you all for your support of From the Front Porch. If you'd like to support From the Front Porch, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Your input helps us make the show even better and reach new listeners. All you have to do is open up the podcast app on your phone, look for From the Front Porch, scroll down until you see write a review and tell us what you think. Or if you're so inclined, you can support us over on Patreon, where we have three levels of support, Front Porch Friends, Book Club Companions, and Bookshelf Benefactors. Each level has an amazing number of benefits like bonus content, access to live events, discounts, and giveaways. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. All right, then what'd you read? Moving on to one of my faves, thanks to Chet. And there goes a truck. Sorry, hold on. We're going to do that again. Hold on. Somebody's tummy rumbling. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait.